Forever, God, we are grateful that you are forever our faithful Father. And Lord, we we sing amazing grace and we know it so well. We've sung it so many times. But Lord, forgive us for those times in our lives when we cease to be amazed by grace. When we take your grace for granted and just assume, Lord, that that's what you do. But today, Lord, we come back again to the cross and remember your unspeakable gift, the gift of your son, who, Father, who lived a sinless life and died on the cross and rose again so that we might be forgiven and have life. And Lord, we want to taste of that life and see that you are good. And we want, Father, to go deeper and grow, go higher, Father, than we ever have before in our relationship with you. So we ask today that you would make us truly grateful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm glad to see you today. And if I could just put that in context, um, I received an email from Melanie this week. And uh, she doesn't email me very often. But the email, the uh, line, uh, subject line was, was simply, your best friend. And I know what you're thinking because that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking, wow. We've been married almost 25 years, and she emailed me to tell me that I was her best friend. But actually, when I opened the email, there was a picture of a dog. I think we have that picture. And uh, th- there was a picture, and there was just a simple question. If you, if you want to know who your best friend really is, take your wife and your dog and throw them in the trunk of your car. And close the lid and wait a couple of hours. And when you open the lid, see which one is really happy to see you. And it was just sort of a thought that made me ponder. And so in that sense, I'm, um, I'm really glad to see all of you today and glad to worship with you. We've been giving thanks to God, looking at Paul's expressions of gratitude in his letters to the Corinthians. Thanks be to God. And remember, we said a couple of weeks ago, thanks be to God for the resurrection, for God's power to raise us and give us brand new life. And then we said, thanks be to God last week for his divine direction. Remember, He always leads us in triumphal procession, a great reason to give thanks. And today, I want us to look at God's greatest gift, what Paul, Paul is rarely speechless, but he is speechless, he says, finally, in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, thanks be to God for his unspeakable, indescribable gift. And I want us to read verse 15 together when we come to it. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to begin reading with verse 6. This is in Paul's uh, second letter to the Corinthians, the ninth chapter, the sixth verse. And he says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result 
in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Now let's read verse 15 together. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, Paul writes to the church in Corinth at a time of unusual opportunity. It seems the church in Jerusalem is facing a famine. And that famine has decimated the church there. The people there are struggling just to eat, just to live. And Paul recognizes in chapter 8 that the Corinthians have a, a bit of spiritual indebtedness to the church at Jerusalem because God first manifested himself among the Jews in Jerusalem and they were the first to become followers of Christ. And then through the persecution, missionaries were scattered and missionaries ended up in places like Macedonia and Achaia, Achaia where Athens and Corinth were, and the people there had come to become believers in Christ. Now, if you remember the story, the Jews in Jerusalem had been a little bit concerned about whether or not Gentiles could actually become Christians. There was a bit of skepticism there, and Paul sees a magnificent opportunity. The churches in Achaia are doing well financially, and they are in a position where they can help Uh, those people in Jerusalem. So he says, I want you to take up an offering. And by the way, chapter 8, he says, the churches in Macedonia have already done that. Churches like the church at Philippi, letter to the Philippians, the church at Thessalonica, the two letters to the Thessalonians, they've already been very generous. He says, in fact, out of their poverty, they have given generously. And now he says, I know that you want to give. And so I'm asking you to do that as well. And he, he places this before them. And what I want you to see is the pattern that he describes here. What he shows us is not a a sort of vicious cycle, but what I would call a victorious cycle in which God gives abundant grace to us. And we, naturally, when we receive God's grace, are grateful. So we lift prayers of gratitude to God. And beyond that, we become generous and give to others. And then when we give to others, then they become grateful as well. And so they give thanks to God. And he's showing us this. And I think it's a pattern of what I would call revelational giving. That is, if you want to know what God wants you to give, pray and he will reveal that to you and you will know what he wants you to do. So it doesn't become sort of a rote pattern of, well, I I write the check, I do this, but rather instead say, God, what do you want me to do in response to the spiritual need in our world? And I want you to see this because this pattern of revelational giving is, I think, a liberating kind of thing in our lives where we become obedient to Christ. And here's what I want you to see, that if our ambition in life, as Jonathan Edwards was at the age of 21 when he wrote his resolutions, if our ambition in life is to give God the most amount of glory that we possibly can, one way we can do that is just directly to say, thank you, God, I glorify you for what you've given to me in Christ. But another thing we can do is translate God's grace in our lives into glory for Him by giving generously to others, then they are grateful to God. He says they lift praise to God, verse 13. In verse 14, they pray for us, and then He says, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. So in answer to the question, why would we, in difficult times, in times when it would seem that we should be pragmatic, be radically generous, 
His answer is because God did not choose to be pragmatic, but was radically generous to us when He sent His only Son into the world and gave us all of His all. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be celebrating the Advent, the coming of Christ into the world. And in view of God's great generosity, He says, the right response for God's people is to be greatly generous as well as God reveals to us opportunities to give. So this is pretty simple, and I just want to sort of map it out for you in two thoughts this morning. The first one is that our gratitude to God leads us to give to other people. In fact, I'd go beyond that and say, if you're wondering, how grateful am I really? Well, I say thanks to God. I even have a section in my prayer time where I just specifically thank God for specific things. How grateful am I really? I hear Paul saying here, you can tell how grateful you really are. I can tell how grateful I really am by my willingness to part with that which God has given to me. To be truly grateful is to be truly generous. And so, if I'm really grateful to God, I, I want to give. And, and it's amazing, statistically, how people in our country who have the very least often are those who, percentage-wise, give the very most. In fact, John Wesley ran into this when he was a college student. He was a person of great privilege. He was blessed with great intellect, with, with good looks. He had everything going for him. And he, he ran into a man on the street one day who was a porter. And And he sort of felt sorry for this guy because this guy obviously didn't have very much. And he began to speak with him and this man seemed happy. In fact, Wesley said he was happier than I was. And that that disturbed me at some level. And I said, why are you so happy? And he said, because God has given me everything I need. And he said, really? And for what else are you grateful? And he said he was sort of sarcastic and snide in the comment and a little bit arrogant. And the man said to him, I thank God that he has given me life and that he has given me a heart to love him and a desire to serve other people. And Wesley was absolutely humbled by that response because he thought, with everything I have, that is not the way that I feel. I I want you to see that when we are grateful, we receive God's gifts with gratitude. And so he begins to describe God's ability to give to us. And I want to just sort of outline it for you there, starting with verse 8 where he says, And God is able. What is God able to do? Well, I want you to see all the times that he uses the word all. God is able to make all grace abound to us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we will abound in, and the word all is there again, in all good works or in the singular, every good work. The God who is the all-giving God, the almighty God is the all-giving God, and he is able to give to us, he says. And not only is he able, but verse 9 goes on to say he is willing. He quotes there from Psalm 112, verse 9. You may recognize that. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And he's really mirroring Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where God simply says, if you trust me and you prove me, I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing so great that you will not be able to receive it. As Psalm 23 says, your cup will run over. And Bob Russell says, it is the rare person who when her cup continues to run over, his cup continues to run over, can give thanks to God for the blessing instead of complaining about the size of their cup and that it's too small to receive all that is coming. But God wants us to be the kinds of people like the Trinity whose signature is self-giving love God invites us to receive gratefully His gifts, to be truly grateful for what He has given to us. And He goes on to say in verse 10, this God is the God who gives us seed to sow and He enriches us to make us generous on every occasion. In verse 11, you've been made rich in every way, in every way that matters, we have been made rich. And so He says you can gratefully 
receive God's gifts to you. And I wonder if we are grateful for what God has done for us. I mentioned to you last week that sign on the bus in, in our capital, that $40,000 ad campaign that says, Why believe in a God? Be good for goodness sake. And I'm, I apologize if I was a little cynical about that. Good luck with that, I think I said. Because in fact, people aren't just good for goodness sake. They have to be inspired by something greater than them. And this week, I just took some time to research that. And at the University of Colorado, a man named John Shields has uh, researched, along with a man named Arthur Brooks, no relative of mine, I'm not quoting my uncle here. And Arthur Brooks did this study in which he studied the, the generosity patterns of people in our country. And what he found was, if you had two families that made $49,000 a year, and one was a religious family and one was a non-religious family, that the religious family was three and a half times more likely to give was uh, twice as likely to volunteer, was 57% more likely to help a homeless person, was two-thirds more likely to uh, give blood. In other words, in every measurable way, was more likely to give. And he described that. And he said, In fact, he said, expecting to find the opposite, Arthur Brooks was not writing from a Christian perspective, he said, expecting to find the opposite, what I discovered was that I could not find any measurable way that irreligious people were more generous than religious people in our country. In fact, he said, if you take two secular people who make the exact same amount of income and one was raised in a Christian family and the other was not, the one who is a secularist who was raised in a religious family is twice as likely to give as the one who was not. These are just amazing statistics to me. A reminder to us that we have been greatly blessed by God and we have the opportunity to give. So in answer to the question, be good for goodness sake, we would just say the goodness for whose sake we are good is Jesus Christ who alone is good. He inspires us. Gratefully we receive. Generously we respond. So he goes on to say, why does God make us rich in every way? This sounds really good, doesn't it? Verse 11, he makes us rich in every way. Why? So that we can be very self-indulgent people. No, that's not what he says. He has made us rich in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. So that we can be a generous kind of people and that through us, generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now this is still our gratitude to God. Our gratitude to God makes us give. We're grateful so we give and we're generous with other people. And as he describes God's generosity to us and God's work in us, what he says is we're not those who sow sparingly, verse 6, but those who sow generously. That is, we, we know what God has given to us and so we want to give. We, we know we'll never reap more than we sow. We'll never harvest more crops than the seeds that we plant. And God is the one who gives us the seeds to sow. And it's a, it's a powerful picture of God's generosity to us. C.S. Lewis said, I'm afraid we cannot discern exactly when we can afford to stop giving. The only safe rule, he said, is to give more than we can spare. When I read that this week, I thought, that's not the way I have given. I just confess that to you. Mostly, we look at it and we say, well, what is, what is the least that I can possibly give? But he says that Christians are not those who give. One way to measure the work of Christ in our lives is that we become generous people who give not under compulsion. It's not like our giving is a tax, that, well, okay, we've got to do this, like taking medicine, but rather we give, he says, hilariously. This has been a pastoral week for me, and you may wonder when I don't have a pastoral week, but this has been an extraordinarily pastoral week. As we began to pray over the request that you sent in last weekend, 
We recognize that the sheep at Tallowood have enormous need. And we just began to respond to those, to send letters, to, to call, to go and visit people this week. Three in our church family have gone to be with the Lord. We had three funerals in four days, one yesterday, one Monday, and one Tuesday. And one of those who passed away was Jenny Atnip, who was a, a missionary to Africa, who ministered among us after she had uh, brain cancer and came home from that. Twice uh, survived uh, brain tumors and uh, and more recently was told she had cancer again. And and this amazing lady, we sat with her, her four kids and their families yesterday, and they began to talk about her. And the last thing they said to us was, whenever she found anything good, she made sure that everybody had one. <laughs> so if it was a book that she read that she liked, she bought one for everybody. If it was a, a tea kettle that she liked, she bought one for everybody. If it was some kind of medicine that was good for you or, or food that was good, she bought a vitamin, she gave one to everyone. Because she was so grateful for what God had done for her, she was a person who loved to give. Now, let me just sort of give us a test this morning to help us with this. Um, Tim Keller, who's a pastor up in, in uh, New York City, says this. If God were to give you today, or if someone, not, let's not thank God, let's say, if a person were to say to you today, hey, I'd like to give you a million-dollar home. I want to give you a million-dollar home, and I just want you to receive this as a gift from me. And the only stipulation is it's a 10-bedroom house, and I would, I would like the right, if I want to, to... to come by and stay in one of those bedrooms occasionally. How many of us would say, okay, deal's off. I'm not going to accept. If I, if I can't have the whole home to myself, then I'm not going to receive it at all. And Keller says, this is the way we respond to God sometimes. God gives us all things richly to enjoy. And if we were to say to him, but Lord, I, I can't give you any of that back. I have to have it all or nothing. That would be to be very ungrateful I love um, Kurt Warner's story. Kurt Warner, who uh, led his team to win the Super Bowl back in the year 2000. He's having, by the way, a very good year again this year uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, his story is every time they're going to an away game, he um, takes his family out to eat the night before he leaves town. And they go to a restaurant and they play what he calls the restaurant game. And here's the restaurant game. He has seven children. So he and his wife and seven children go into the restaurant and they take turns picking out, like a quarterback would pick out a receiver, they pick out somebody in the restaurant for whom they will uh, buy supper that night. Now, they do this anonymously, and when the child picks out whichever table, then the father, Kurt Warner, says to the, the waiter, hey, um, we'd like to buy supper for those people anonymously. And so they do that. The last time uh, they were in, in New York City, they bought um, a meal for a family of four, a steak, a steak dinner. And his story is the reason we do this is because he, before he became a, a football quarterback, uh, he worked at a grocery store at night stocking shelves. And he fed his family with food stamps. And then he started playing football. And he said, we want our children to know how generous God has been with us, actually through the auspices of, of football. But God has been gracious to us, and we want them to learn to give to other people. And I was thinking what it would be like to be a member of Warner's family, to, to learn to give in that way. But then I was thinking, what would it be like to be one of those families in the restaurant? I mean, we, went, we might volunteer for that. And then I was thinking about the people who are standing outside the, the restaurant on the street who can't afford to go in the restaurant. And I was thinking about us 
and how God has blessed us. And I have to say, Tallawood, you have this remarkable uh, reputation for generosity in giving. Dave showed us last night what you all have done related to Kenya in every category, pencils, notebooks, uh, mosquito nets, and, and money. You have exceeded what we asked you to give. And this is just a pattern for Tallawood, whether it's the mission centers or whether it's going down to Street Reach uh, this Wednesday night to serve Thanksgiving dinner to the people in Montrose. You are really good at that. You have a well-deserved reputation. Here's my word to you. Let's carry that forward for another generation. Let's not think that Thanksgiving and Christmas is really about us consuming anything or being consumers, but about sharing our lives with other people, like George Bruner who, who uh, buys the turkeys and gives them to families, like our, our, our students who, who care for those who don't have Christmas, like some of you do in your Sunday school classes, adopting a family. This is when we are at our best and God's generosity to us leads us to gratitude which causes us to give now here's the second thing I want you to see that our giving leads others to gratitude so if our goal in life is to give God the maximum amount of glory you and I can say God I want to glorify you by just saying thank you for what you've done for me but at the same time I also want to so live my life as Christ did sacrificially giving so that others will give thanks to God. And this is what he says in verse 13. He says, they will praise God because of you. God's going to get more glory if we are generous people because they will praise God because of your example. And he describes that there and tells us how, how they, will, they will praise God for the obedience that accompanies our confession of the gospel of Christ. Now, much is made sometimes people say, well, well, Paul says, you know, um, by grace you are saved through faith. And James says, faith without works is dead. So they just have a disagreement there. I want you to see a, a, an occasion where Paul is absolutely agreeing with James. What he says is, if you and I make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ, and yet we are not generous people, our lives will belie our confession. But if we give to other people, then he says, our obedience matches our confession of faith. And others will want to become followers of Christ as well. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, don't you want God, don't you want God to receive glory through the praise of other people? I read Mike Ayer's story this week. He's a pastor and, and Mike tells about um, he and his wife uh, cashing out on their home and they had a lot of money and they were thinking about how they were going to spend that money. And uh, he was preparing to preach uh, a series of sermons for Christmas and it just occurred to him that he ought to ask God what God wants him to do and it occurred to him that he ought to give more money away to others that Christmas than he received himself and spent on himself. And so um, he said their prayer became, he said God convinced his wife, revelational giving of the very same thing without them even talking to each other. And he said afterward, um, they just had to sit down and pray together and said, God, how do you want us to spend this money that you have provided for us. This is revelational giving. Can you imagine the people who receive those gifts? How grateful they would be to God. And he says, not only will they praise God for you, verse 13, but they will pray for you in verse 14. And I think this is a powerful, powerful gift. You say, well, well I mean, if we are sort of um, uh, hedonistic and saying, well, what's in it for us if we give? Well, here's the deal. When you and I give to other people, they have the power to give something greater to us by praying for us so that he says they will pray for you and their hearts will go out to you, verse 14, as they pray for you. Let me ask you a question. If you had a choice of receiving a gift or receiving somebody praying for you, which would you rather have? You say, well, the gift is it's material. It's tangible. I can touch it. I mean, I've already got it in hand. But I, what I want you to see is 
When somebody prays for us, they bring to bear all of the resources of God on our particular situation. I'd rather have somebody pray for me. I was up at MD Anderson this week and I saw a sign on the wall. And I'll never forget it. It said, there are three rules for life. First, um, be kind. Second, be kind. Third, be kind. And then I went in and visited with um, parents of some families in our church. And they were talking about Milton Cunningham. Some of you know Milton, who was a friend and mentor to me. And Barbara Cunningham, his wife, was also an MD Anderson, they told me. And I was going to that room afterward. And they said when their kids were in college, uh, Milton was the chaplain. And there came a point when there was a... Uh, a need in one of their kids lives and this child didn't call them but called their student didn't call them but but called uh, Milton instead and later they found out about it and said why did you call Milton and this was her rationale she said look they pay that man to pray I mean that's that's I mean that as far as I can tell that's his job they pay him to pray so why wouldn't I call him to pray for me because I needed a prayer in that time and I believe when you and I respond as God leads us to to his revelation in our lives We receive the prayers of those who receive the gifts that we give. And that is infinitely more valuable than anything material in this world. I read it this week about the first Thanksgiving in the United States. It wasn't, by the way, in 1621. It wasn't the pilgrims. But 11 years before, in 1610 at Jamestown, um, before there were the friendly Indians and the pilgrims having the big Thanksgiving supper, there were the people starving to death in Jamestown. That one winter, they went down from 409 to 60. And those 60 prayed and said, God, if you don't provide for us, we're going to die. And uh, literally, their ship came in. A ship filled with food and provisions came. And in response to that, they had a prayer meeting and offered thanks to God. I just want to say, in Jesus Christ, in God's verse 15, indescribable gift, our ship, the only ship that matters has come in. And my word to you is, we... If we want to give God maximum glory, of course we're thankful to Him. And we say thank you, God. But beyond that, we respond by giving to others so that they say thank you to God. And God gets maximum glory. And tonight, in our worship service, we will celebrate the fact that our ship has come in. As the choir sings, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, as we eat together at the Lord's table, we will say, as we come singing up to the altar, singing to the table, receiving through a come-forward Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, we will say, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for Your kindness to us. We say thanks to You and we ask, O God, that You would guide us today so that we might be truly grateful, so that we might be generous like Christ. Help us, I pray, Lord, to see all that You have given us in Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen.